Welcome back, everybody, for another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. We're joined by Pete Sampson of The Athletic, and Notre Dame has a bowl destination and an opponent. It is Jacksonville on December 30th, the Gator Bowl, Notre Dame's fourth appearance in the Gator Bowl, and the opponent is South Carolina. Notre Dame, a four-and-a-half-point favorite out of the gate, 50-and-a-half over under. Uh, not... I mean, I know we are all thinking San Diego guys, Jacksonville, Tampa came into play there for a moment, Orlando. Um, I guess the, the you know, the matchup having Spencer Rattler at quarterback, which I don't think we have a complete guarantee of that, but that's an interesting player and character for Notre Dame to be facing off on December 30th. I uh Pete made a funny comment before this thing started. We were talking about the line. He's like, this game should have no line because no one has any idea right now what the point spread can be in this game. You know, you assume, I mean, Mayer won't play and you assume Fossey's not going to play. Then there's going to be some weird opt-outs like Drew Pine, obviously, that can still happen as we discussed last week. But South Carolina will have those too. And uh, obviously it means the most if it's spent, if Spencer Rattler would decide not to play. Um, if you'd have told me, hey, the line came out and it's South Carolina by three, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, Norman might beat him. That's fine. But I was surprised, Tim, when you said four and a half. And you immediately mentioned Carolina has flaws too. Of course they do. They're not just they're not the team you saw only the last yeah. two games, right? But but, but man, they're hot. You know, games. I mean, re, the, most of what we evaluate is what's happened recently and what they've done recently has been pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, there's no nobody I think is going to spend a lot of time watching their game against Florida uh in the Notre Dame football offices when they got their butts kicked. So that's they're a funky team. Um, you know, Shane Beamer on the call last night is like, hey, both teams started one and two. Both teams had sort of pretty volatile seasons um, with high highs and some low lows. So uh, there's similarities. I, I mean, I like the matchup. I, I would have preferred Oregon in the Holiday Bowl for reasons of the opponent and the destination. But um, it's like if you're going to play in these sort of off-brand bowls a little bit, if, like essentially if you're not in the New Year's Six or the playoff, to be in a top 25 game is actually kind of rare. So um, I I like it from that point of view. I think it's the first top 25 game the Gator Bowl has had maybe since like 2006. Oh, um, wow, really? Uh, so nice. it's been... We're talking about this a traditional bowl that's been around yeah. forever. Yeah, Pete. Yeah, well, it's like I was... I had to do another podcast last night where I was like, oh, I mean, it just seems like if South Carolina, Oregon, Washington, there were some opponents like where you're like, okay, I'd like to see that game played that are superior to Rutgers in the pinstripe bowl or Iowa state in the camping world bowl. So I just feel like, you know, if you could, if you could have full rosters for this game, I think it'd be a good, interesting game of some kind of national importance. Um, you know, but we're sort of stuck waiting to see who plays and who doesn't. It is an SEC team, and they're coming off a 63-38 to win over Tennessee and a 31-30 win over Clemson, in which, really, Spencer, Rat- Spencer Rattler, he threw for 360 yards, but he had two two awful interceptions, including one in the end zone. Uh, but, you know, they don't, they don't run it. They're 99th in rushing. They're under four yards per carry. They don't stop the run. They're almost giving up five yards a carry, and that piques every Notre Dame fan's interest because Notre Dame – absolutely should be able to run the football, especially if you include Tyler Buckner in the equation. And last night, Marcus Freeman said he's full go. 
Um, Drew Pine's not an option. We're going to talk about that as well. I think we're all caught a little off guard, including Notre Dame, that Drew Pine had entered his name in the portal. Um, you know, Marcus Freeman was very honest, very upfront, that they were looking at a, a, a transfer or a grad transfer quarterback. They will continue to do that, and we expect them to eventually sign somebody. But uh, kind of a, a a quick reaction, a knee-jerk reaction to the situation, and I think that, all, that caught us all a little bit by surprise. Yeah, it made the joke that somebody asked if Josh Lug would sit out when you mentioned Patterson was going to play. And I said, Josh Lug is the only guy on the entire team less likely to sit out than Drew Pine. Josh Lug was number one and Drew Pine was number two. Well, Drew Pine surprised <laughs> me. Uh, a quarterback transfer was a 100% guarantee by the end of the spring. The fact that it happened one day or the fact that it happened four months earlier was surprising to me that there was a no percent chance Notre Dame was entering the season with Tyler Buckner, Drew Pine, Steve Angeli, and a, grad, and a transfer quarterback in. That's ridiculous why would somebody become fourth string and third string but man i am when pine before the bowl game was a surprise to me like he it makes sense like we were i I almost talked about it like drew pine could hammer home my lug point though that drew pine at least has somewhere to go like he can think to himself i gotta get rolling on with the rest of my career josh lug's next stop is the nfl and he wants to help notre dame one more time everybody else could be like i'm out writings on the wall and I just I, I thought Pine would stay and compete because I really thought Pine would be on the roster next year, to be honest. I just knew one quarterback would be gone. I mean, I, I guess Pine it, might be on the roster just to be the guy that comes in after somebody gets hurt. His name. I mean, I guess it's not it's not 100 percent out of the question. Right. He's just his name's in the portal. I don't I don't I'm not saying I expect him to come back. But no, I, I think that's out of the question. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I would imagine the question. I guess I, I would imagine that it is. But to your point about you, you expect them to actually be on the roster next year. Uh, but you know, like, where does he end up? Like, he wants he wants to start. He just started ten games for Notre Dame. What what program? What level of program are we talking about that Drew Pine's going to walk into and be the starter? There's probably uh, what do you got? One hundred thirty. Not Power Five. No, but he it could find opinion. one, I bet. But I don't think it's a great idea to go to a Power 5 team and struggle as a quarterback when you could be at Notre Dame and help them win as a reserve. Like, he'll go lower than Power 5, right? He'll look for Mac or he'll look for um, and American that's Athletic better. Conference? American Athletic better, Conference? And that's a better alternative? I don't think so. I'm just saying that's what he should look for, don't you think? Is he'll uh, look no, for I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, It wouldn't surprise me if he ended up in the Ivy League, honestly. Yeah, I, that's I, we've people have said. I mean, I think they were half joking, but they said like he would, you know, Brown is an option and stuff like mm-hmm. that to continue education that way too. It won't be Colorado. I know that. No, well, it's like I would think that he would want a good degree from somewhere. He's not going to have one from Notre Dame. I heard so, he is getting it, Pete. Actually, um, uh, that is, I mean, he would have to come back to get that it would. Later. Re- yeah, that would re- well, or would that would require for him to be here in the spring semester and not not practicing football for Notre Dame. Correct. And that, and that would guys do that a lot. That's not starting quarterback. Yeah, I know. Right. Exactly. Because yeah. he wants to find a home. He wants to, he, he needs to practice in the spring with his new team, but he can't so, practice in the spring. If he's a student in Notre Dame. No, no. Right. Right. Make exactly. Sense. No, it, the, exactly. So yeah. I, I just, I mean, long, t- oh, man, long term, I, I just, I, I don't get it because he obviously doesn't have a, a, a future, playing quarterback beyond college football. So 
I don't get that, but I mean, I, I, I guess I can understand the frustration and lo and behold, Notre Dame has a quarterback that they would like to insert into the starting lineup in, in place of Drew Pine and it's Tyler Butner. Um, hasn't played two full games yet. I'm, I'm a little surprised that he's come along this quickly. I think obviously um, Marcus Freeman was sitting on the news of his progress yeah. when he was asked about him along the way. Well, he probably wanted to be able to use Tyler Buckner as a changeup quarterback with his starting quarterback, Drew Pine, firmly entrenched in yeah. the bowl game. And that would have been, that would have made a lot of sense. I did, this doesn't matter that much on Drew Pine's graduation, but I did quick math on if he took, remember he came in early. So if he did nine and nine during, even during the COVID area, he could have 110 credits right now. And you only, you need 120. Um, that wouldn't be that hard for him if he, for some reason, I don't think Drew Pine ever did something like 18 credits like Redfield and uh, Braden Lindsay did because he had to study as a quarterback too, you know, but he'd have 110. Now that's not, that'd be easy in the spring, right? Yeah, that's no, it definitely quick. would be, but it, but it would, it would preclude it, you from participating it, in spring it, of practice. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. It would like nullify the advantage of entering the portal. Now, if the education uh, piece was, was still important. We don't, uh, I, I think we kind of expected Marcus Freeman to make an announcement about at least Michael Mayer last night, but he was hesitant to do that. He said he told Mayer and Foskey to take a week and think about it because the practices they had, the two, it was two practices this past week was mainly on the younger guys and the non-starters letting everybody heal up a little bit. But um, is Mayer thinking about that on campus or does he, uh, and not that I'm aware of getting prepared. <laughs> not, yeah. yeah. Not that I'm aware of uh, on campus. And we've heard that Foskey will as well. We expect Patterson to play uh, certainly Josh Lug to play. Uh, you know, we expect, <laughs> we expected Drew Pine to play, you know, I mean, that, that kind of thing, you know, that kind of <laughs> thing puts everything. Pop up. Uh, up, it really does. I mean, if discussion. that happens, if Josh Lug doesn't play, I'm going to be mad. Right? I will, I will then step up <laughs> and I will say that I was wrong. Okay. I'm appealing yeah, to you, uh, Josh. Please play in this game. From and Indiana. and speaking of transfers, because I want to I want to address Jaden Bellamy has has uh, uh, will be leaving Notre Dame. And when we say you know we hardly knew you, we didn't know we didn't know you at all. We never had an opportunity. He had concussion issues, and 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 he and he's come and gone. Uh, and O'Malley said uh, last week uh, it speculated about a number of transfers, and I was defensive and said no, it's not going to be that many, but. Uh, <laughs> They're going, going to win one for Notre Dame. I'm going to re <laughs> remove my defensiveness and yeah. uh, start leaning towards O'Malley's number. He's got a new number. What is it, Tim? Well, I'm including like opt-outs and I'm not including mayor in this because it doesn't count. So like opt-outs and transfers out of the program by the time the season kicks off with guys that they might want back I'm around 16. Well, you have to include guy guys that they definitely don't want back. Yes, but I'm saying like a guy yeah. like DJ Brown would start a game for Notre Dame next year, and he might be a guy that doesn't come back. Yeah, I I actually I think 16 is a good number, but I would yeah. not include guys like DJ Brown in the 16. Like well, he's I like think, one of the he's one of the only guys. That's why I was trying to think. Of a guy yeah, like that. I guess that might the be list, the only it's... one. Um, yeah, I I think that there will be a. Um, what do you do to a herd? You call a herd? Is that the is that the term herd, for that? Yeah, I, I there that's happening. Um, I think that Marcus Freeman will be very aggressive. You know, we everyone loves a hey, we're gonna enhance, we're gonna enhance, we're gonna enhance. Well, enhance can be also removing guys from the roster <laughs> and getting better guys. Pseudo, pseudo medicals I, I, and real medicals in there too. You know, yeah, I knew it's funny. Kind of enhancement. 
It's funny you should say that because you knew the enhance word was coming up in the press conference. And you start to think, okay, enhance is now tied in with removal. Yeah. It's a, di- uh, there was also a different form of execution, perhaps. Who knows? <laughs> Brian Kelly was in favor of the execution of his offense. So this is the execution of the roster. Mm-hmm. He was. He was indeed. And there will um, be one or two surprises in there, Pete. That's what's going to make sure that number happens. Like, oh, yeah. There's no doubt. I think there there will be guys that leave that Notre Dame actually was like, whoa, what? Yeah, um, right, right. Yeah. That, that, I mean, Drew Pine was one of them in terms of well, the timing. Um, yeah, but I think timing in for spring sure. or even in just the, the, the course of the next month is, there will be guys that, you know, I, I'm I'm sure there's some reserve offensive linemen who are like, well, wait a minute, I'm not really getting an opportunity here. Um, maybe I should look around. So we'll see how that shakes out. And then, just, uh, I'm sorry, Tim. The, well, um, it's just go ahead, go Tim. Ahead. No, you go ahead. I was it's a, well, I was just going to say it's interesting that that I mean the reality of recruiting now is that you're recruiting high school players, you're recruiting transfers, and you're recruiting players on your own team, and that's why I think I said last week you're recruiting 450 days a year. I mean, you're yeah. stuffing multiple days of recruiting into one because look at all the people that you have to recruit. I, it, I, it, it's incredible, the moving parts. And I know they all make a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. So you should deal with the headaches, but roster management is just, in, it, 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 it would have to be mind boggling, number one. The second thing I want to say before I forget, because I don't know that we'll get to it in segment two, is that Brian Mason will meet his match in this game in special teams. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Lembo. We have a matchup. Because yes. Pete Lembo, South Carolina, they've blocked six kicks to Notre Dame seven, but they are in the top. I don't, I got so many notes everywhere. I can't find them all, but they're, they're sixth in punch returns, sixth in kickoff returns, and they're in the top 30 in the coverage groups. They are outstanding. And if you saw the Clemson game, their special teams dominated that game. Their punter had a phenomenal game. They downed like three or four punts inside the seven. Uh, Brian Mason will meet his match in this game. I it's, cannot and their wait kickers to ask 10 Brian for Mason 10. about this. This is good. He's going to have yes. a great answer for this, too. Their Mason's kickers 10 for 10. Their punter was was arguing. He definitely got the – I don't know if they give out uh, game MVPs like Notre Dame, but he definitely got it. Uh, for special teams too. So Brian, Brian Mason will be, uh, will be working overtime in preparation for Pete Lembo's special teams. Well, that was uh, the, uh, I was going to say the Broyles award Lembo advanced to, I think the semis uh, when Mason did not. Um, He has associate head coach. He is really, yeah, he is really well regarded uh, in the industry. I actually, I, I think for, for Beamer, like Lembo is not only a great special teams coach, he's sort of like the Al Golden Sounding board for as well. Yeah, yeah. he's associate head coach on the team. Yeah, he's been around. I I don't remember. I I I know he was at Memphis. He yeah. He uh, He was like a lower level head coach, so he has some experience there. But yeah, he's he's really good. That's a good. Uh, For what it's worth, he was Phil Steele's uh, special teams coach of the year in 2019 at Memphis. So I mean, he's got a he has a proven track record. I know. I know we've. I know Notre Dame has played against him. I'm trying. I'm. I'm trying to remember exactly where it was, but I know that I, I I think, I think that that name's familiar because I wrote it in a preview. Do you guys think that um, he teaches his team what to, how to handle block field goals after it's blocked and what you should do? Do you think he's, that would be, teaches that that would be a good idea. Uh, You could even learn that in a South Southeastern conference. (laughs) 
because it happened uh it happened in the LSU game. How does that happen in game against 13? Georgia? I That's don't know. I you know, I mean some of the some of the some of the Georgia players were fooled too. They didn't even know what their teammate behind them what? was getting was preparing to do not to go off track. What that happened in a Notre Dame game, right? Like was it in the Weiss era where like, no, it was, um, pole, not, it was pre-Polian. So people don't think that it was, a, it was not, it was an onside was Michigan. Wasn't it like, a? I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Jones did it at Michigan. I think that's, Oh, maybe he did like, touch it. You're right. No, yeah. you're right. You're right. That was a that frantic was also, ball though. Like that ball was a special teams everywhere. coach in that game. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, that ball was bouncing everywhere. Yeah, there was also one pre-Polian, so we don't pile on here. Yeah, um, when Jalen Elliott, the freshman, just watched the onside kick, and the ball, and they just in Miami went and picked it up. Remember that? Well, that's the wrong guy to have on your hands, team. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> right? But an onside kick? Come on! Yeah. You've watched onside kicks in your life. That's yeah. There's a reason why they're only kicking at ten yards. <laughs> I, I remember seeing it happen. I remember thinking to myself. I mean, I know that's probably Scott Booker's fault, but do you have to teach you're supposed to recover the onside kick when it comes right to yeah. you? <laughs> it's just, it was a tough one, man. Hey. All right, we have questions in segment two coming up, burning up the boards. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun, here to share the Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame, an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Segment two of Burning Up the Boards, our first question is from Irish Gambler. Thoughts on Notre Dame installed as an early four and a half point favorite in the Gator Bowl? Is this based on Buckner playing, not playing, or what do you see? And we touched on in segment one. I mean, I, I think it's based upon the shortcomings that that South Carolina has um, in the running game, run defense, uh, red zone defense, very bad, sacks, tackles for losses among the lower lower portion of of uh, FBS this year. You know. I mean, and again, recency, what happened in the last two games matters more, but there will be 34 games or 34 days between, you know, their win over Clemson and and the Gator Bowl. So I don't know how much carryover you get there, but I mean, I I think it's, I think it's because uh, South Carolina is a little bit more flawed in some fundamental areas than Notre Dame is, but it's not taking into account that, you know, your quarterback situation is, is not ideal now. I think that it, as much as a quarterback should carry the day, I mean, the best position group on the field is Notre Dame's offensive line, and that group should play in at full force. Um, yes. And like, look, losing Mayor is will be bad, but you know, Mitchell Evans, Holden stays. It's not like they're running out guys who can't do it. Um, you know, and also, I just, I don't know. I, I I feel like Notre Dame is on both lines, like. We, because we're we sort of see Notre Dame and we often compare them to like teams that are in the playoff, we kind of forget how much better Notre Dame is in the trenches than basically everybody else yeah. who's yep. not in the top 10. Well, uh, and then, and then you times. add Buckner into the running equation and now it becomes even more problematic for South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, you get to you see, do. like, I, I'm if Buckner plays and I, I'm probably I'm more of a like, hey, let's just wait and see on this than some other people, but. 
if Buckner plays, I'd like to see him play with the offensive line as it's currently constructed um, with these receivers playing as well as they're playing. So that, that would be more than enough for me to like, be like, all right, I, I really would like to see how Notre Dame puts this together with Buckner. I'm, I'm with you, Pete. I'm, I'm skeptical how much he'll be able to play. Just no, I, I am too. Yeah. I, okay. I am yeah. too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I comment on the message board that I, I we're not 100% sure at this, at this moment that he's, he's going to be ready to go. But, but I think the mayor loss um, affects, I mean, I, obviously you guys agree with me on this one, but we didn't talk about it. I think the mayor loss affects the running game though, too. It's going to have to be a lot more Sherwood and Evans than stays because mayor is a, turned into a really good blocker in the run game. Um, and just the threat of him opens up those receivers that are trending with Drew Pine. Deion Colsey and Drew Pine had a little thing going there for a while. Drew Pine and Michael Mayer had something going. I think they're going to use both quarterbacks because they have to. Why would Tyler Buckner come in and all of a sudden have kinship with all these players? That it, like I think it's tough. I think it's a tough situation. But he's it's, such a good runner. He's got I mean, if, if you yeah. can use both quarterbacks, that's great. That that gives you Yeah, you see, yeah. and that's why I'm not sure you know, how much he's going to actually have to throw. Uh, They're going to run. I mean, they're going to, they are going to run the football. I I mean, I don't, I don't think South Carolina can do anything about that regardless. I mean, certainly it helps to be able to complement it with a, with a passing game, but um, I mean, they're Nordham's going to run the football against them. And although we said that, said that against USC too, did we not? No, but we did mention USC has athletes that can rise up. Yeah. Make some place. Um, yeah. They did not against Utah, though. I will point out that was that was quite a thing to watch. Utah completely um, execute Notre Dame's game plan we had planned for the game against USC. They, they yeah, just, just needed think. Caleb Williams to pull a hamstring, and I like I know, if Caleb Williams was... pulled a hamstring in the first quarter of the Notre Dame game, I think Notre Dame would have won the game. They would have won the game because the defensive was the defense was getting home. They just couldn't tackle him. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like it where people were like, "Yeah, it serves well." It's fine because there's some Schadenfreude involved, but like. Caleb Williams' hamstring was pretty much the reason USC looked like crap. Let's let's not pretend like Utah's defense was dominant where in a way Notre Dame yeah, couldn't be. No. He had to stand there. Yeah. Next from no NDFB, doubt. another Buckner question with Buckner returning for bowl prep and possibly playing. How big of a factor was that in Drew Pine's decision to skip the bowl game? Uh, I think the bigger factor was being told that they were bringing in a, a transfer right. quarterback. I don't think that he... There, I mean, there's some talk out there that Buckner was told he was going to start in the bowl game. I don't think that that's true. Um, no, I think it was predominantly the announcement that they were bringing in a transfer quarterback, but that really should not have well, caught anybody. By former team. Don't get hurt for your former team is what Drew Pine was probably thinking at that point. Right. As far as skipping the bowl, I'm so yeah, what I'm don't not playing the bowl game to, if you know it's your last game. They, uh, you're told you're you're not going to start next year. Why but he wasn't told that. Why get hurt? Yeah, I don't. He, I don't That's think he was thing, told right? he wasn't going to start. I, I think that would be a mistake to say that. He was told that you're going to have to compete with a transfer for the starting job. And Tyler Buckner. And Tyler Buckner. Right. Yes. I mean, it was not a competition he was going to win, but um, I mean, I think it's worth kind of reason like drew pine thought he was going to win a quarterback competition twice at notre right, dame right when we all knew that that was not going to happen so i mean i could see his perception being like what do you mean i have to compete for my job i'm already the starter like 
and people in his camp sort of taking that yeah in the frankly in the wrong way it's like i think wrong-headed to to view it that way but um yeah i don't i don't think buckner's availability whatever it is was was really any factor in this at all i, I to put a bow on that i completely agree now that i think about it because drew pine was clearly going to start over tyler buckner in the bowl game and drew pine would not mind if tyler buckner came in for a couple of series yeah, I mean that's, that's, that's a, fine. The, the, there. There's a completely different relationship there. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, there's an established relationship. Right. They're friends. Yeah, they're right. friends. Exactly. So he would he would uh, probably like to have Tyler Buckner help in the bowl game on two series yeah. when they need to run the ball. Yeah, to loosen things up for 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 Drew Pine a little bit. Question from DS Herb Nine. This summer, the coaching staff seemed committed and comfortable with Tyler Buckner taking over the reins moving forward with the pursuit of a proven QB from the portal who would likely start in who would likely start in 2023. What does that tell you about their view of Buckner? I think it's a fair question because if they absolutely love Tyler Buckner and thought the season went down the tubes only because he got hurt, they'd be less likely, but they were burned so badly and know it can never happen again. That's the highest. That's the pursuit of the quarterback is 90%. We made a massive mistake and it's never going to happen again. Right. And I, I think that what they've seen from Buckner is not enough to be like, yes, that's the okay. other part of it. You know, sure. if, if I think even if Buckner, if, if they had beaten Ohio state and were crushing Marshall and then he got hurt and he had a TD INT of like 10 to one, I think they would still at least, all right, well, maybe we need to augment the room a little bit. Um, but you know, that's not how Buckner's season went. So I, I, I think that, being all in on Tyler Buckner and not taking a transfer this year would, would make even less sense than it did last year. Yeah. I think they, they maybe it, I don't know, maybe it happened as or after Buckner was injured, but they clearly determined at a certain point of the season that we're not going to make this mistake again under no circumstances. And that's a Marcus Freeman, like, you know, we're not going to go down this road again. End of story. Yeah. So, um, that was their plan um, from the very beginning or shortly after Buckner was, was injured. Um, Do you remember what say. we said, Tim, after we talked to Freeman and we had a podcast and Pete, we were all on. And I said, I understand why they're not doing it because it upsets the, the dynamic of the room. 1% understanding the other 99% of that is un messing up the dynamic of the room is a good thing. And the worst player will transfer. And that's awesome. Bring in a grad, bring in a player. Cause <laughs> right. who cares if someone transfers, they're going to leave anyway. Yeah, I was uh, I, I was gonna say I think uh, there was a a telltale sign when I asked Freeman I think after the Cal game about did you think about taking a transfer quarterback last year and he answered it as if I was asking about taking a quarterback transfer after this year um, instead of before so this clearly was on their mind for quite some time. Next question from from oh go ahead Tim <laughs> Pin and Paul in the Gator Bowl does Tyler Buckner run the offense and. And plays utilized under Drew Pine for the past two months, or do we see the Buckner offense that Tommy Reese wanted initially? Well, this answer answer changed for me a little bit during the podcast because I was going to see the Buckner offense, but if Steve Angeli is doing the bulk of the snaps, then they have a harder preparation situation because I don't think Angeli runs the Buckner offense, right? No, no, I don't. I guess he probably runs more of the Drew Pine offense. Especially since that's what he's been practicing for the last yeah. 10 weeks or whatever. So, yeah, that's a great question. If there's a package for Buckner, 
then you see more of the pine offense. If Buckner is the starter and we're wrong, then I think they're more to the Buckner offense. Of course, you're not going to run a different one. Yeah, you have to. I mean, you play, you know, Buckner's game is he's he has to have the ability to run for him to be the most the best that Tyler Buckner can be. So, I you know, I don't I mean, other than that aspect of it, the read option part of it, which is which could be fairly which would be very fairly significant. Um, you know, the I, I mean, what they do in the passing game, I don't know that that what they actually do in the passing game, I don't know that that changes dramatically from what they were doing with drew pine yeah i would like to see buckner run the pine offense more than buckner run the buckner offense if that makes sense like i'd I'd rather i'd rather see buckner's whatever he's doing not look as much like it did at ohio state or whatever what you know last year you know a little bit more like virginia tech i guess yes uh, last year that's kind of what i that's the buckner offense i'm talking about not that's a good way of putting it not to be careful ohio state offense but the virginia tech offense that was because the be careful Ohio State offense will just help you lose to Ohio State, USC, and uh, Clemson next year. Closely. Oh, yeah. You got to play all them yeah. next year. <laughs> These two questions are tied together, and it will probably not be the last one on this topic. CMU Penns fan, who do you believe is the top transfer target among quarterbacks that are in the portal? And Andy Quebec, Michael Pratt was mentioned as a possible transfer candidate. Can you compare him to Hudson Card? Well, they're different styles. I mean, I, you know, Pratt is more loose-limbed, loose-arm throw, throwing motion. Um, Hudson Card's throwing motion is a little – it's not as elongated as as Pratt's is. I'm, I'm probably getting into technical stuff that really wasn't intended with the question. But, I, you know, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I like Pratt. I do. I, I, I like his game. I know he played it at, at Tulane, but if you've seen him plays, he's, he's pretty dynamic. And I, and I think that, you know, when you see him on the field, you can tell that he's in control of the situation or he's at least in control of the offense that he's, he's running. Um, now I do want to say this, we got a lot of questions and I hope this is taken in, in the right way. We, we, we got a lot of questions submitted on Twitter about, the portal. And I, you know, I mean, quite frankly, I I feel like we're obligated to our Irish illustrated subscribers to give them that information first and foremost. So I guess I'm saying, if you want more of that information, you're going to have to be one of the subscribers to Irish illustrated, because I, I, I feel that we're indebted to those people. So we won't have a lot of talk about this. We have been talking about the quarterback. So we're going to continue to follow through with that. And, you know, we've been focusing on a couple of guys and Pete, you're, you've said that, you know, this, this, uh, this pursuit of a transfer quarterback will probably expand a little bit, certainly as we get more names entered into the portal. Right. I mean, Hey, Graham Mertz is in there. If you're interested in going back down that road. Um, But yeah, I, I think that my hunch or my informed hunch is that the, Notre Dame's top choice for a transfer quarterback is not in the portal as we record at 11.55 a.m. on December 5th. And Brennan Armstrong is in the portal. Yeah. No, I don't think Brennan Armstrong is. No, I I agree with you, but I'm just clarifying that he is. Yeah, he's in the portal. He's not the guy. Um, I would uh, expect him to be at Syracuse in short order. It would have been interesting. Well, it just would have been interesting if Armstrong hadn't just collapsed this year. Yeah, yeah. The right. priest, it seems like you won't be driving to get Armstrong. However, I will drive 
to Columbia or Brown or wherever Drew Pine goes to bring him back if they go after Graham Mertz because I want Drew Pine instead of Graham Mertz. <laughs> He'll be there in a heartbeat. I will convince him back with my own giant NIL check. Gift I, think that's, yeah. I think that's a better route to go. Next from Thaloran. Is it possible the wide receiver group could be considered the strength of next year's team? I'm looking at Pete as I read this question the rest of the way. Jaden Thomas and Deion Colsey seem to come on at the end of the year. Lorenzo Styles cannot be much worse, which screams strength to me right there. And Tobias Merriweather should take a leap, not to mention the talent coming in with the recruiting class. Plus, the new QB should make these guys even better. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, strength, no. Um, I mean, it won't, it won't be better than the offensive line. It won't be better than the, it definitely won't be better than the running back room. Um, but look, if you told me that they signed the four, like four guys that they have coming in that Merriweather, Styles, Thomas, um, Colsey were all back. And they added Dante Cephas from Kent State. That would be a, that would be a good receiver room. Wouldn't be the, the highlight of the team, but they, they would not be a weakness of the team. Um, that would be a good receiver room where if you said, Hey, Notre Dame's playing a lot of, they're 11 personnel team. I'd be like, great. They're playing to their strengths. Um, which is not something you would have said this year. I do. I'm glad you brought up Dante Cephas. Cause I do want to talk about him. That, that is a possibility. Tom Loy has, has, uh, has put that name out there on, on irishillustrate.com the last two years at Kent State he has had 130 receptions for just shy of 2,000 yards and 12 touchdowns he's not a highly highly rated recruit coming out of high school but he has developed into one and that's that's somebody on Notre Dame's radar what, yeah, you, have, I, so, uh, you have more info on him, Pete? Yeah, so I, I talked to an assistant coach in the MAC, um, not a head coach in the MAC because that would be too obvious who I was talking to, but <laughs> I talked to an assistant coach in the MAC about, you know, Cephas, who, who had played him this year, um, and I will just read you uh, what he said. <laughs> uh, I said, is he good enough to play at ND? And he said, knowing the room that they have, absolutely. He was a 1,200-yard guy last year, had a lower body injury, was dealing with most of the year, but he's one of the few guys – uh, that we've played where he can take a hitch to the house, just has the ability to go from zero to 60, put his foot in the ground, make one cut and go. Uh, he would be a no brainer power five kid. If he, if he was going to hit the portal and he described him as also as an absolute freak. Oh, wow. Well, uh, you're, you said you used a disclaimer knowing the room and that prompted O'Malley and I to, to laugh Definitely. a little bit, but if you're saying he's a freak, uh, I think Caleb Smith. Yeah has that has some of that ability that we're we're talking about but of course he's not established like like Cephas is you guys think so, Charlie Jones would have helped this year you think um yeah no what's a kid like that's a Cephas is a man like you would be adding a yeah. man like that's a go Mike Bray here but like he is a man you that's you would be adding a total dude to your receiver room um I you know if you I would go as far to say Dante Sivas would be the best receiver on the football team next year if he came to Notre Dame. It's and I realize people are like, well, he's at Kent State. How is that possible? But like, watch watch his tape and then then get back to me on that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's – I mean, I think we're all really confident that the wide receiver room improves. Yes. Sure. Probably, probably, yes. probably fairly significantly. Because, you know, I mean, not, I, I mean, Jaden Thomas and Deion Colsey don't have to – Think about what it's like to have success. They've experienced it. 
And it's easier to tap back into that. Lorenzo Styles, look, you either want to play or you don't. Do you want to play? You want to play football for Notre Dame? It's a big offseason coming up. Then, then yes. your body language has to start reflecting. If you don't want to be at Notre Dame, if, if that's the reason why your body language looked awful during the 2022 season, then you need then you need to move on. But we expect Lorenzo Styles to be on the Notre Dame team next year, and he should be a, a he. Well, he was trending after his freshman year. He was trending into becoming a, good, a really good football player. Tobias Merriweather should should take a significant step if he can, if he can stay healthy. And then we know the group that's coming in. So improved certainly, and probably dramatically improved. Next from D Mingo 11 over under three total defensive linemen picked up by Notre Dame in the portal. You guys Pete, what's some, your thought on that? Some quick background. They will lose Jason Adamiola, Chris Smith, Isaiah Foskey. They've lost Lacey. Uh, Iquanu is a numbers. So I'm just, I'm giving you numbers now and they'll certainly yeah. lose another one. So let's say they're losing six. Let's say Justin comes back just for the sake of this. You're looking at five, six, seven, eight, nine guys return, 11 guys returning that are non-freshmen and you'll have 15 in the room. Let's say you have 14 in the room. Well, okay. Let's make the line two and a half as opposed okay, to right, three. Right, right, right. Let's say you have 14 in the room. And give you Justin. If Justin's not there, that's an automatic one you got to go get. So right, okay, yeah, yeah. I would just sort of look at like, <laughs> I I think they will add two guys. Me too. Um, you know, the I blanket on the Western Michigan kid. Fisk. Uh, Fisk. Yeah, Brady he visited Fisk. last weekend. I mean, good for a good football player. Certainly capable of 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 contributing positively to Notre Dame's interior defensive line. More, I mean, more than Chris Smith was, right? Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Longer, a legit 6'5", quick off the snap, great motor. Uh, I saw them bump him when Western Michigan, if it was a third and long situation, they'd bump him outside sometimes. Uh, good football player, definitely. I feel like definitely can help Notre Dame be a better interior defensive line. And then it's like, Look, if the Deshaun McCullough from yeah. Indiana, like that may be your starting Viper next year if that works out. Yeah, and I don't like I, I don't have a lot of insight on like whether no, it will or, or whether it could. Um, but if it did, that that kid is a very unique talent. There may be some defensive ends out west that yeah, yeah, that, that could come in this so direction. It could be as well. it could be over two and a half. I will say two, but it could be over, it could hit three. It yeah. could, yeah. but Wouldn't that's why me. I say I think two and a half is better. So we don't get a push hard, in there. Yeah. So Domingo, so we don't get a push in there. We put we put the we put the hook on it. Question from K Bailey four. Uh, question on media reporting dynamics. How does Pete Thamel get the Drew Pine scoop? Is that out of spite by the Pine camp not wanting to give it to a local beat crew, a lower level, unimportant? Uh, and or winning the national splash. You guys are obviously well-connected. Just curious how national guys sometimes land these stories first. Uh, Pete, you are a national guy. Um, but not like Pete Thamel. But not like Pete Thamel. Um, and I think we have a, a an answer to this, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, I would say I think it, it, this or one 100%. You to go first. Yeah, this comes from Pines Camp. Um, and also Pete Thamel is really freaking good at his job. So that's a, a combination of factors. 
yeah, he's a he's a very connected. Uh, he he is connected. Pete, Pete Thamel. When Pete Thamel, when you see something on the online or Thamel suggests something, you're like, uh oh, better <laughs> better look into this. That's a problem. All the things we see come across our Twitter feeds that are BS from everywhere. I never think to myself, ah, that doesn't sound like that. But when- I think there are a lot of times where athletic administrators go to Pete Thamel because yes. they know he will have oh, the greatest. Sure. Let me let me correct that. I know that there are athletic administrators that go to Pete Thamel because they know that his voice is the biggest and the loudest. So oftentimes when Pete Thamel breaks a story, it is coming from a higher echelon um, person than Drew Pine's dad or parents. I'm not I'm not disagreeing what Pete said, because I do think the Pine can't play a role in that. But uh, history has shown that uh, the biggest splash comes from uh, comes from athletic departments generating that splash. And I think on Pine, like the I believe the family was kind of put off by how Drew Pine was covered locally um, most of the season, and I I don't think there was a whole lot of like great will there either. So I'm not sure that they would have like. Wh- is are, are are do you sense that we're one of those outlets? I don't. I think that they are overly sensitive, uh, probably to some of the things that were said on Twitter, written, podcasted about him. Um, you know, that's this. Look, you gotta. I think you gotta take the good with the bad. I, I realize Drew Pine. I think Drew Pine probably did a better job of that than maybe some people around Drew Pine. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I thought Pine handled things well in all interviews and everything I had to do with him. He's he did. He yep. yeah, I mean, he stayed above the fray. Sure, I, yeah, I, I would think did. mostly um told the party line a lot of times. Um you know, I I mean I you know hey, I have we no speak Ill will very honestly. We speak very honestly here. So um, right. if I speak if honestly I, about Drew we Pine, are, a football player, not anything about Drew Pine. I, yeah, I, absolutely. I absolutely. Drew Pine was a great kid to cover. I really rooted for him because of how much he worked to become a Notre Dame starting quarterback. It's not his fault. He had to start 10 games. He played really well in some of them, including one of the losses. He played a heck of a game. I give Drew Pine a lot of credit for that last game at USC. It is not his fault at all. I will say I would have gone with Pete Thamel too, if I was the Pine camp, because <laughs> it is a much, much, much bigger story that Drew Pine is leaving Notre Dame than wherever he lands, because that one won't matter at all. There'll be no national splash. Question from Mac 341. If you're Marcus Freeman and staff, do you play more underclassmen to gain experience in the bowl game, or do you do everything you can to win the bowl game? I know what Marcus Freeman's going to (laughs) do. Try to win the bowl game. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Freeman, of all people, with his eight and five career record, because that's going to count as soon as the bowl game starts instead of eight and four, yeah. is trying to win this bowl game. Marcus Freeman is a competitive dude that does not want anything but winning the bowl game right now and recruiting those two things. Well, like, what I like, Pete, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just, I, I agree with O'Malley. Also, I mean, we've been saying this all year, like, they're already playing all the younger players who are available to play. Maybe Prince Collie and Jalen Seed can get some more work, but like, that's, that's kind of it. Like, I, I I don't know who, who else you'd put in there that hasn't been I think been this is a reps. Prince Collie and Jalen Sneed question. It is, and that, and that and that's fine. And that's fine. And that's they fair. can play them yeah. more. Yeah. I mean, those those guys do need to play more. You don't... Steve Angeli might don't play take, more. 
You don't take J.D. Bertrand and sit him because he's an older guy. Right. That makes no sense. He's coming, but he's coming back. He's an older guy and he's a productive guy. He's coming back. So what, I mean, what message are you, you you can't, I, I get the, I, I get the notion of playing younger guys, but I think what is often forgotten is that you have to have a little bit of team chemistry that fans don't have to worry about. And you can't alienate upperclassmen just because you want to see younger guys. I play. don't, I don't want to see Josh Lug rotate with Billy Shrouth in the game. Don't well, do you that. Won't, Pete, it's so not don't worry about it. I, I have a feeling yeah. Gary Heastan will not rotate Josh Lug yeah. out of this game. There is no chance. <laughs> I think if Marcus play. suggested it, Heastan, I, I guess this is a family podcast. I can't tell you what Heastan would say. <laughs> no, I, um, <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. Well, I mean, I think if we're going to if we're going to talk, if we're going to name names. If if Leofal came off the field for a couple of those younger linebackers that we're talking about, I don't think anybody would argue with that. No, and I think I was shocked Prince, Prince Colley could only get one play in the last game of the year. Now, going into the USC game, if you said how much will Prince Colley play, I would not have said much. If you said on September tenth. How much will Prince Kali play against USC by the end of the year? I'd have said a lot more than he played. Does that make sense? It does. And I one was not in any way surprised Prince Kali was not on the field a lot because Notre Dame has shown a propensity. Mark Maris Leofile played more snaps than any defensive player. That more might than... be too much, right? I I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. But the three guys coming back should not practice as much as... Sneed and Tui Halamaka and Prince Kali this month. That's for sure, because you really want to get those guys yeah. in situations now. That's that's what this bowl practices are for. This is not a playoff game. They are practicing the young guys and giving other guys time to rest. But priority number one always has to be winning the game. They're yeah, coaches. But you could do that for game week. That's game week prep, right? I, I think until game week, until eight days before, you're playing your guys to see. Yeah, who's... maybe two full weeks, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Coaches. We can't, we, we, we don't, we're not, we can't think that way. You can't think that way. Uh, I I I think the question could have been answered differently. If it said, do you think it's time for Prince Collie to play more than Maris Leofau? Yeah. You think thinks that that type of thing, as opposed to to Max 341, he didn't, it was fair the way he he portrayed. Right. He asked it fine. Yeah, question. we, we yes. took it to the Prince Collier. Yes, <laughs> we took it to the linebackers, which we, which we often do. I I I don't you don't know you think you think I ever overreact to a question? I'm. <laughs> I, all right, we're going to wrap up with Denver Maximus. What are your thoughts on the new expanded playoff format? Does it take away from one of the great things about college football, which is every game counts? O'Malley, I know you're dying to answer this. Yes. <laughs> Would you like to elaborate? That's it. Upon That's all that? you got. You don't. You don't like it's the awful. new format. It's, it's dumb. There's no accounting for taste. People like cube steak and ketchup. They like the playoff format too. You guys don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I like the new format. Yeah, um, you like cube steak and ketchup, Pete. That that is insulting. Taste bud police. That's insulting, O'Malley. I don't like that. I. This might be my last time on this podcast. <laughs> Look, it's be it's done because conference commissioners and athletic directors want more inclusion in in, in the in the process of of winning a national title. We all know that it's not going to change. The seven seeds not going to win a national title by beating Georgia and Alabama, even if they do. My point is, I enjoy 
the college football regular season way more, immeasurably more than any other regular season because of things like this. Alabama lost to Tennessee and LSU. And all of us, everyone that is not an Alabama fan, watched that last loss and thought, this means so much watching LSU beat Alabama. That won't mean anything when that happens next or in three years. That won't have that won't mean a thing. It means Alabama gets to be a different seed. Who cares about seeds? College football is a three-month elimination game, and now it's not. I understand what you're saying about like the regular season meaning less. Like, and if you wanted to revalue it, you would go back to the BCS because that's when the regular season meant the most. Yeah. Um, but the whole like doesn't mean anything. I doesn't mean I I strongly like so TCU lost in the big 12 championship game so in your in your world that didn't mean anything because they went to the playoff if you saw Max Duggan after the game it meant a hell of a whole lot this is the problem when people say it doesn't mean anything I'm not talking about the players playing I'm talking about the college football fan watching Alabama get eliminated in November because it was like you like more jeopardy yes within the season I want I that that game meant okay Name the number one teams that have lost in college basketball this year. Name the team that lost last February. Nobody knows anything about that. Nobody cares. Yeah. That's what I mean by nobody cares. Mm. Obviously, when Auburn lost, Auburn's fans cared when they were number one last year. I get that. If Notre Dame was ever number one and they are beat the number one team, they would remember. They My still bring is... up Jared Dudley. <laughs> in a 12-team playoff, Alabama's going to have to lose four times to be excluded. From they might have to lose twice the in the new playoff. playoff format. They might let them back in when they lose they a playoff might... game. <laughs> Yeah. And they could be they could be eight and four at the end of the regular season, and there would be a faction saying, "Well, they're one of the be- they're clearly one of the best twelve teams in the country," which is true. But they, there's this little this little detail that happens in sports, and that is they that they keep score. USC got eliminated by losing. They it was did. Fun. It was fun for college <laughs> football fans to watch. No, I. I'm not talking about Max Duckins fans and men that his, his, no, teammates. I get that. No, I knew you weren't. I, I'm we talking get that. about the cat, the fan watching sports. It's mm-hmm. that was USC got knocked out. You know why I went to bed during the Purdue Michigan game? Cause I was a little tired and it didn't matter who won. <laughs> well, that's although true. in the new playoff format, if Purdue had won, it would have mattered a whole lot. Well, Michigan still be in right. But Purdue would be in, but there won't be divisions. So yeah. They won't that will all that change. Like that is kind of a, Right. And, and so, I mean, clearly, you know, three lost teams make the 12 team playoff, but there, mm. there, yeah, I don't, I, I this guess year, I don't think any of them would maybe can it's Kansas state has three Kansas losses, state but they won would. the, they won yeah. the big 12. They won the right, 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 yeah. right, right. And that, that they would have see that, that game would have mattered it. for Kansas state in the new format. Cause the big 12 is already a yeah. divisionless conference. Can Look, I, guys... I like the idea of Notre Dame potentially hosting Tennessee in mid-December. I think it's fun, too. I mean, that part's fun. I'm just talking about the other games. Yeah. The games all the way through. I like You're the talking, fact yeah. that the playoffs are You're talking about weeks. November games more than anything, right? I mean... Yeah, November, late October, the games that were you yeah. really... Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. At, like I one of the coolest weeks to cover Notre Dame football in 20 years, 22, was right. the week between the Wake Forest game and the USC game in 2012. That week doesn't exist anymore. Which is no, sad. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Kansas State. Notre Dame could have played Kansas State. They played Alabama. They could have played Oregon. They played Alabama. All bad. Yep. 
but going up to number one, like the party on camp, like that was, that was a very cool, uniquely college football moment that, I mean, that got killed when the playoff expanded to four, but right. Right. I, I, uh, I can appreciate some of the nostalgia for a bygone era of college football, regular season jeopardy. All right. With a 12 team playoff, you have more fan bases, have more, more to cheer for in, in October and November. Um, you know, but it's not going, but it is it, like, if anybody thinks, and I don't know that anybody even, I don't think anybody thinks that, Oh, we're going to have different national title winners. No, no, that there's going to have more interesting games. In oh boy. And boy, are you going to have some blowouts. If we thought you had blowouts in the semifinals of a four team playoff, Tim, the, how about Alabama? The, how about Alabama the, hosting this? Yeah. Year? The, yeah. Alabama playing Tulane. Although I guess Tulane would have to win. What a, you know what I'm Whoever saying? Whoever they're playing. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> who, they're playing. Yeah. <laughs> it's if we had, I mean, just think about it. I, and I, and I'm shocked at the number of semifinal blowouts that we've had. It's, I'm it's, sure we'll have one more this year. We'll have, one well, more yeah, this year. no, probably, but, uh, but you know, I'm in a 12 team playoff. It's going to be perhaps even worse and more. Yeah. I'd be interested to see because. You know, if those teams are playing a game beforehand, I mean, some of those teams are playing two games beforehand. Yeah. Um, right. So I don't know. I don't know how that will yeah. all shake out. But I mean, there, there obviously there are some pluses to the situation. It'll be more fun in December. But my point is, I love the old school of college football where you get eliminated by losing enough. The, the yeah. massive upset that knocks a team out is part of the drama of college football. You would go back to like the BCS if you could. You would contract the playoff, not expand. Well, yeah, I actually, and it's not my idea at all. I love, and this this can't happen because of money. I love the idea proposed by Driscoll to me once of going through the old system with the Bulls and then the two best teams after the Bulls play. We've talked about that. It's 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 because the money doesn't involve that. But it was really cool. It's a really neat idea. I do like that. It's it's impossible to happen, and then we're we're going farther and farther away from it. But I love the idea of the two best teams meeting after everything's I, over. I will say this, and then we'll wrap it up. There's no perfect system. There no, never has not. been. Definitely. There never will be. I I've, I literally have been writing that and saying that for at least 35 years. Because have I said this recently in a podcast? I have, haven't I? It depends I mean, on what you're about to say. No, 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 no. That no. What I just said. What I just said oh. is that there's no, there's no system that will work with football. You can't. No. It's not like baseball and basketball where you can play a game two days later. You can't do it. It's too protracted. It's too drawn out. It can't. There's no perfect system. We're always as soon as we go to twelve, the complaining will start again because well, and it it will start with your your argument, yeah. O'Malley that that it's diminished the regular season, which it absolutely, it, it has to, there's. Yeah. Well, it definitely, it, it, there's no doubt it diminishes the regular season. It enhances the regular season for more fan bases that think it's fun to finish. Correct. Class. I get that yeah. too, but I don't care about finishing 12th. I like the way college football was. When they lose I, hope, I hope that it enhances regular season scheduling though. <clears throat> that would like be nice. if, if you have more leeway with a loss, like let's, Let's cut out some of these FCS games and like have a so little more power on five. The, power what five. do you think happens to the conference championship games that make so much money that Michigan uh, should absolutely not care about winning that game as you, opposed to getting uh, a quarterback hurt? Well, I mean, you answered your question. They make so much money, so yeah. the those will continue. And winning them gets you a buy. If you lose them, like if Michigan lost, 
they're playing a first round game. They won, so they have a buy. Georgia, just not Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't like, like if, too, if where... Georgia had lost, they wouldn't have a buy either. You have to win a cut. You, oh, have, you have to, to win yeah, your you conference, conference championship, championship to oh, get a right, buy. Right. right so right. The, I mean, there's still there is it's different jeopardy. It's the jeopardy is not as good as you know for the regular season, but there's in some ways conference championships games I think will have more stakes now than they did in the past. Well, I don't think you talk about some some of these FCS teams and 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 group of five teams that the team. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. And it certainly didn't happen at South Carolina this year because among their 12 games was Georgia State, Charlotte, and South Carolina State. Now they play in ACC. And and I realize, I mean, there's a lot of pitfalls in that in that conference. But yeah, uh, Michigan those, is that was very one, good. that was one quarter of their games. I think Michigan's really good. Their schedule in September, their schedule is just ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I, I still I still think they're the second best team in the country. So I'm not yeah. I'm not trying to downgrade Michigan's ability, but that's stupid. You get to play that that schedule. Are you kidding? All right, we're moving on from here. Um, we didn't talk about a next uh, podcast, but it'll be soon, and we'll let you all know. We appreciate you joining us, guys. Thanks for joining us here today. Until then, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Here's another Irish tale from Doo Dublin at DooDublin.ie. Have you ever felt uneasy signing a lease for a house or a car? You'll know a little how Arthur Guinness felt when in 1759 he signed a 9,000-year lease for the St. James Gate Brewery in Dublin. He was a shrewd businessman, of course, because over 250 years later, the annual payment remains just £45. Want to find out more? Be sure you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours.